the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we focus on God's word this day, we look at the Easter account according to the Gospel of Matthew. We had heard earlier another disciple who wrote those words, and Matthew says this. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and was going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee there they will see me. Dear friends in Christ, four times in this early portion of Matthew 28 in these verses, four times we see words that strike a common theme. First, it involved an angel. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And then the angel says to the women, Do not be afraid. The women hurried away from the tomb. How? Afraid and yet filled with joy. And then Jesus speaks to them and says, Do not be afraid. Easter is supposed to be a time of joy and alleluias and music and flowers and celebration. Easter, however, begins with fear, great fear, fourfold fear. Here's my working definition of fear for us today. False evidence appearing real. That's it. False evidence appearing real. What is false evidence appearing real on that first Easter? Well, Jesus had been beaten, crucified on the cross, and buried. So his ministry? It's over. His movement of changing people's lives? Finished. His cause? Dead. All hope for people? Lost. Easter begins with great fear. False evidence appearing so very real. The goal of my words that I share with you today so early in the morning is to replace fear with faith. 
What is faith? Let's say that faith is forsaking all that I take him, take Jesus. Jesus, our Redeemer. He is the one who creates beauty from ashes. Remember that phrase. We begin with fear because that's how the first Easter begins. As much as we try to deny fear or fake it or stuff it into a dark drawer or closet, we all live in fear. False evidence appearing as real. Being a regular Alaska traveler, you know, I would say it's like a grizzly bear. He's behind every corner, and it's just a matter of time that he leaps out of the shadows, displays his ugly fangs, and chews us up, along with our family, our friends, and even all of our finances. Fear whispers constantly to us, there's trouble out there. So we don't sleep very well. We don't whistle while we work. And when there's others who whistle while they work, well, we give them the look. You know, the look. Like, how naive are you? We scold them saying, haven't you heard the news and heard the reports and seen the studies? Airplanes fall out of the sky. Bull markets become bear markets. Terrorists terrorize. Good people turn bad. The other shoe will drop, we say. Fear attacks all of us with just two words. What if? What if I don't close the the sale on my home? What if I don't get that bonus at work? What if she doesn't love me? What if my kids have crooked teeth? What if their crooked teeth you know, kept them from having friends and a career and a spouse? What if they end up homeless, sitting on a street corner, holding up a cardboard sign saying, my parents never fixed my crooked teeth? Fear, it really twists us into emotional pretzels, doesn't it? Makes our eyes twitch, our blood pressure rise, makes our heads ache and our armpits even to sweat. We try to numb our fear, maybe with a a six-pack or binge eating or just watching a whole lot of TV. And we express our fear with explosive anger sometimes, or maybe even silent stares. You know, we're, we're experts at both of those ways. Well, help is on the way. The Eisenheim altarpiece. It's located in a city called Colmar, France. And this 16th century altarpiece is created there, and it's created for the monastery there. It's for the people that were cared for in that monastery who had skin diseases. And that's an important point, because Jesus has a skin disease in the painting of the crucifixion there. And it really shows the patience that Jesus understands. He sympathizes with their fear. You see, the people at the monastery, they were afraid that their skin disease would kill them. What is it for you? What is it that will kill you? Teenagers? Taxes? 
disease, loneliness, depression, debt, divorce, dementia. Jesus understands each of us. Mary, the mother of Jesus, knows all about fear. In the altarpiece there, Mary is on the left. She's collapsing in anguish into the arms of John, Christ's loved disciple. A mother's greatest fear comes true. She witnesses the death of her son, her dear son, Jesus. And on the right, John the Baptist also appears. And at his feet is a lamb, symbolizing the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, we know that John was beheaded by Herod Antipas in the year 29 AD, so he did not witness Jesus' death. The artists include John, though, to remind us of what he said of Jesus. Those words that we shared on Good Friday from John 1, verse 29, when John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's another important point. Something that looks here as world-ending is life-giving. What looks world-ending is really life-giving. Yes, Jesus is the Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. Your sin, my sin, our ugly and rotten and sickening sin. That's because Jesus is a redeemer. Remember, a redeemer creates beauty out of ashes. The Eisenheim altarpiece, it has two painted wings that open and close over that central painting, sort of like doors on a cabinet. And when the wings are closed, they show the altarpiece there of the crucifixion. Christ hanging on a cross, his body discolored with a a greenish hue to it. His wounds cover a sick body. There's suffering, there's rejection, there's death, death on a cross. And the outer wings of that altarpiece are opened for Easter. And on the right panel, We see there that Christ bursts forth from the tomb. Christ is risen. He has. Death, it's got no control over him anymore. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And in the painting, Jesus' hands are raised in blessing. Behind him in orange and a startling yellow there, a sun rises against the sky. And there are swirls of white and yellow and red and blue garments that show Jesus in a victorious pose. But the most amazing feature of this painting of the resurrection are the rubies. The artist placed rubies in Christ's hands, his feet, and even his side. Rubies from scars. Jesus, our Redeemer, creates beauty from ashes, and rubies from scars. Why? Death is dead. Sin is forgiven. Hope is eternal. The victory is won. What looks world-ending 
is finally life-giving. And Jesus said that all this would happen. Five times in the Gospel of Matthew alone, Jesus said that he would rise from the dead. Five times Jesus says these words are something like them. I must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, be killed, and on the third day be raised. And still the disciples, what did they do? They chose fear over faith. They abandoned Jesus on Thursday, the Garden of Gethsemane. There was only one, John, who stands alone at the cross with his mother, with Jesus' mother on Friday there. And on Sunday, all the disciples, they hide behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. So it's easy to choose fear over death. Fear which I described as false evidence appearing real. Of choosing that over faith, which was forsaking all, I take him. In 1960, it was said that there was an amazing event that occurred in a tiny village in the Ukraine. A man named Grisha Siklenko appeared one day, much to the shock of his friends and neighbors. Everyone thought that Grisha had died in World War II. And actually, the night that he marched away to war, he went home where his mother had made a hiding place for him under a manure pile. And so for 18 years, Grisha Siklenko lived in manure. In the winter, he almost froze to death. In the summertime, he almost suffocated to death. And finally, in 1960, Grisha walked out of the manure, expecting to be prosecuted, punished, and even placed in prison. His fears were groundless, though, because the statute of limitations had long since expired. Fear does that. We end up living in manure. And then guess what happens? Life stinks. Life really stinks. How smart is that? Would you rather live by faith? Then here is the angel's promise for you. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. We can trust what Jesus says. Jesus says, I took away your sin. I conquered your death. I'm alive bodily and eternally. And I'm coming again to perfect your body and to restore the creation, the entire creation. Fear be gone. People live by faith instead. Do you know what the most frequent command in the Bible turns out to be? What instruction, what order is given repeatedly by prophets, by angels, by Jesus, and by the apostles even? What do you think? Be good? Be holy? Don't sleep during the sermon? No, the most frequent command in the Bible is don't fear. And why is that? Well, because living in fear is like living in manure. Everything stinks. Faith. Faith is forsaking all all things. 
that I take him. Our Redeemer, Jesus, creates life from death, joy from sadness, and beauty from ashes. And remember the rubies. Do you have small children? Don't fear. Do you have teenagers? Don't fear. Has everything gone terribly wrong? Don't fear. Are you sick? Is your heart absolutely broken? Don't fear. Let these six words go down into your deepest inner being. We're going to sing those words in a while. And those six words are, I know that my Redeemer lives. Hold on to that always. What else is left to say but forsaking all, I take him. Alleluia. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen.